I'm Amy, sex educator, somatic sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure products company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. Hello, everyone. Hi, folks. Howdy, partners. Howdy. It's Tuesday, the day before Valentine's Day. Dun, dun, dun. So what I just just say before we talk about our podcast, our podcast today is with the wonderful Ashley Manta, on, uh, who is, identifies as canisexual, and we'll talk about cannabis and sexuality um, and a little bit on STIs, STDs, because she is a sex educator and knows a lot. But before we do that, let's talk about Valentine's Day. Valentine's it, Day. It it's the day of love. It can be hard for some folks, though. It can be. And I have to say, it's hard for me. Is it every year? Even though you have a partner, it's still hard. It's always been hard. Yeah. Because even since high school, where they were giving out crush cans that were different colors, this is what they did in Wisconsin. Sounds like the Midwest. Yeah. I do not know about <laughs> so this. So they gave out different crush can colors that were like pink meant like uh, you like them. Orange was like, you're my friend. Red was like, I'm in love. And I never got any red or pink <gasps> cans. only got orange ones. Fuck those assholes. Even from boys that I thought liked me. Oh, chip. See, well, you remember? So did you guys do the little boxes that people put the cards in? Did you yep. do that? Okay. So we were in the elementary school, like the little boxes. And yeah. You were supposed to bring them for everyone, but some people would only bring them for select people. And you would look That's at them. So rude. And, and they would, or, or some people got like the best candy or whatever. And I remember it just being such a competitive sport. It's not <laughs> it's cool. It's messed up. And I don't think, I don't, I think, that I know that in some schools they don't allow anymore. It might not really be a thing. And plus, we don't want kids to just die in candy. I just want, I want to say something to folks out there listening. If you are in a relationship where you feel Valentine's Day is important, I say, great, honor that. But perhaps show up for your partner or for your partners or whoever is important to you on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis. Not just on Valentine's Day. Not just on Valentine's Day. Day. Write them, them a yeah. note that you love them. On a regular, I'll write you a note right now, Amy, in the air. I, I love want, you. I want a crush can. I'm going to give you one of those flowers that I got from my friend. I want a red crush can. <laughs> I'll give you all the red crush cans. But I won't drink it. I know. You <laughs> just look at it. Disgusting. It's a waste. It's bad for my body. And then for everyone who uh, feels like Valentine's Day is really hard, you know, even like you're not single, April, and you're saying that it's hard for you. And for single folks and people going through heartbreak, I talked to a guy friend today, right, and he's actually going through a heartbreak right now. Um, my, we actually gave this advice recently, but you know, our advice was get with your community, you know, get around, get surrounded by, surround yourself with the people that make you feel good, that love you, your friends, your family. Um, that's what, that's what it's all about. Just and release the pressure. It's not about, yeah, it's just because another, that's, it's another day. Then it's a Hallmark holiday. It's by a the way. Hallmark holiday. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel that I want people to know that I love them on a regular. But the the thing I think with Valentine's Day is no expectations, but then you kind of get expectations. You're just like, oh. That's what you got me? Yeah. I wanted a, a dozen. I wanted a, a red crush can. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just want to put that out there. And I know it is a big consumer 
consumer holiday. And so, um, but if you, know. you love Valentine's Day, it loves you back. Awesome. awesome. Go ahead. Should we read a review? Yeah, let's read a review. So, read a review FYI, folks, we have about 57 reviews right now on iTunes and five stars. Yay. We but thank more. you for writing a review. Thank you for taking the time. If you haven't written a review, Go to iTunes. It takes just a minute. Give us five stars. Four, four. We'll be happy with that. I mean, I like to overachieve. I like to go with the five. <laughs> I want seven. But we do read every single review. We love them. Thank you for taking the time. If you have done that already, and if you haven't, please, we appreciate it. This is a passion project for us. We don't make any money. We do it just because we love you and you and you get a new car. Not, we're not giving cars. Though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not yet, at least. We're not there yet. All right. So this review is called titled Can't Get Enough of These Two by Lola Firefly. Lola Firefly says, funny, energetic, and educated. April and Amy are such a delightful team. Since listening to Shameless Sex, my perspectives regarding sex, relationships, personal health, etc. have evolved on so many levels. Highly recommended for anyone wishing to embrace and unleash their sexuality shamelessly. Ooh, and they're actually really great with grammar, too. Can I read a review in a British accent? Um, yes. <laughs> small one? Uh-huh, yeah, you All want right. a small one, because you don't want to, okay, how about this one? I can one? do it for a long time. Okay. One, this is love. British. This Only British. one is entitled Love <laughs> by Cast 97. Love this podcast. I grew up very religious and had a lot of shame when talking about anything to do with sex art. Thanks so much for being so open. Love listening, XO. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> Should I do one in a, in a Jamaican accent? Okay, let me find it though for you. Okay, okay. just a small one. Yeah, this is okay. <laughs> that was small one. Um, how about this one? Okay, this one from Miss by Baby Gal 9. This one from Miss by <laughs> Baby Gal 9, y'all. <laughs> These women are the super inspiring, y'all. <laughs> If you feel unsure about where you are in my sex, they make you feel comfort and happy where you are in a moment. X, X, X. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, for all those people that are like, I don't really like your intros. You guys, you guys talk too much. And like, oh, the sex questions bore me. I'm pretty sure they're having a good time, right? <laughs> I can do one in a Scottish accent later. We'll do that next week. <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> Uh, never a dull moment with this girl. <laughs> All right, so does it maybe this will inspire everyone to write more sex questions? Oh yeah, more reviews. If you write a review, I'll, read, I'll it. read it in an accent. And actually, if you write the review, maybe you could even say, "P.S. Which accent? This is the accent I want. <laughs> I can do a good Wisconsin one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. All right, so <clears throat> enough, enough, um, enough fun okay, for one day. Fun. Should we answer a sex question? Sex question. Okay, okay thank so you for writing sex questions. Hey, everyone, real quick, questions. if you have a sex question. You can write us. There's two ways to submit sex questions. You can go to shamelesssexpodcast at gmail.com or you can go on our website, www, like Amy likes to say, <laughs> shamelesssex.com. And you can um, enter in. There's a question um, form for contacting us and ask us your question. But typically, just give us a little bit of time. We will answer them either on the air or via email, but we will get back to you. But just be patient, please. Thanks. Yeah, sometimes it takes us a little bit. What All right. Got? So this question, see, this was from January 24th, so it took us a couple of weeks, but we're here. We're here. Uh, I'm not going to use their name because I don't know if they it's gave anonymous. us permission. So anonymous. 
Um, so they said they're a new listener. Hey, new listener. New listener here. Love the show. I would like to know, since my partner can only orgasm while on top because she has an inverted cervix, is there no way for me to be able to give her one myself while on top? So inverted cervix, he's probably meaning tilted uterus. Uh-huh. You wish you have, right? I have a tilted uterus. Yeah. Tell us what, so tell us about that. So... First of all, uh, there's 25% of all um, homegrown uteri. No. Yeah. <laughs> uterati. Uterati have a, a tilt to them. There's like a, a bunch of different ways to tilt. Um, what it means is like being left-handed. About 25% of the population is left-handed. It doesn't give you a disadvantage. It just sometimes makes um, menstrual cups fit in differently or your cervix or your um, vaginal canal seem sh- more shallow, right? Yeah, a right? little lower. A little lower. So for me, I actually do uh, enjoy being on top and the more grinding sensation, but it varies within my like my hormones for the month, like where I'm at, because if my cervix drops... Because Which my the hormones. cervix does. It, it does. It, people who aren't in tune with their cervixes, they're just surprised by that. But like sometimes it'll be super low to feel like you almost have this like little mini, I don't want to call it penis, Deca? but little mini, <laughs> little mini phallus kind of hanging down. It's very interesting. That's like you telling me, well, did you reach in there and try to feel your cervix? I was like, no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, get in there, chill. Get in there. Get I was like, there. it's bloody. Yeah, you got to get it, get it. Yeah, at least understand, understand your body. You don't have to have all the answers, but figure, just explore it a little bit. I explored. So, okay. So, so okay. You with this, with April, since you have a cervix that is similar, inverted cervix or a um, uterus, tilted uterus, you can have orgasms with your partner on top. Is that is that true? Or this, no? is, this is true, but not only but when I'm on top. But you're combining clitoral stimulation. But I, I have to have clitoral stimulation. If I'd say if you're experiencing um, the fact that they, your partner, uh, she, she yeah. uh, can only have an orgasm on top, I'd say. If it's only, I mean, great for her for awesome. having an There's orgasm. orgasm. Yeah, I'm so like, hey, if that's working for her, be on top until she has an orgasm on top and then switch it to how you like it yeah. Um, yeah. for what you can do. It kind of sounds like there's there's a little bit of a goal there of you that that this person who sent this in desires to be able to give the, them an orgasm on top because it will ma- probably make you feel good in, by doing that. And I suggest any way we can get, get away from that, like having our worth fulfilled by um, our adequacy as a sexual being in terms of our performance um, will help you immensely and will help your partner. It will get rid of pressure for you. It'll get rid of pressure from them. Like your awesomeness is not based on you giving them an orgasm in general and not based on the position you give them an orgasm in. They're having orgasms. That's wonderful. And I would say most female body folks are having orgasms from clitoral stimulation on its own or combined with penetrative sex. So, yeah, it, with uh, your partner on top, or sorry, with you on top of your partner, if there's a position where you can somehow make it so your body's angled and they can still clitoral stimulation. So, oh, here's one. Not thrusting. You know, a lot of thrusting is back and forth and in and out. You completely miss the cervix. Yeah. But if you were on top and you were doing more of a grinding thing with your pelvis, and especially if you have pubic hair and your pubic hair could rub on them or if they had pubic hair, which a lot of people don't these days, but um, it could actually help them to have an orgasm because the clitoris, which is the powerhouse orgasm. I have a Charlie Chaplin. Do. You have a Charlie Also known as Hitler. <laughs> hey, I wasn't going to go there. Okay. <laughs> Fucking A. I like Wait, to call the Charlie well, Chaplin. Who did it first? Charlie Chaplin. When is he? Like the 20s? Like the 1900s. Okay. He was the first movie. We'll call it Charlie movie. Chaplin. Yeah, then. I think that's more PC than the Hitler. I just always think like when cats have a funny little like spot on their yeah. well, upper lip. I call like, the Charlie Chaplin. So when my when it's that direction, my it's not a landing strip the other way. It's. I mean, I could show you it. Is it 
Is it? It's like this. Yeah. Like for this. Yeah, but it's just a little fl- a little ploop. I have more of like a V. Yeah, I saw it. It's a triangle. Triangle, but it's a, but it's a, it's not a tiny triangle. Like whenever I try, we should shave it into a microphone and be like, is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> All right, tangent. Okay, anyways. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think that was enough in this question, but we're just, oh, we have one more though from well, the, the same, same person, person which I one. love this. Thank you for writing us. But this is, I, well, I read this, um, while I was, I love that this came in like five it seconds came later. Five, he's like, oh yeah, actually the next day. So do you think it's okay for me to masturbate at work in private? Of course. Love it. So <laughs> I want to say that. We're I not guess. responsible for your work getting mad. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so do whatever you want. But as far as using work equipment for watching porn or something, I wouldn't oh. suggest that. Because but you're not saying they're necessarily watching porn. No, but oh. I, I wasn't making assumptions. Oh, yeah. But I just was thinking to myself, how are they masturbating at work? Yeah, are you just in the bathroom? Are they in the bathroom? Are you, are you in your using office? Your own, yeah, there's a lot of different computer, variables that could IP be involved. address. <laughs> so but I, do... That where if it's non offensive to the environment where it's a safe space for you, if it is in the bathroom, maybe if it's a private bathroom, go for it. Oh, whatever. Those ones with the stalls. But it's so <laughs> yeah, if there's a line outside, people need to go number two or number one and oh, you're yeah. in there spanking it. Yeah. That might not be really like the best time frame. Yeah, I don't so I, I don't want to shame masturbation. I do think that with masturbation there is probably a time and a place in regards to being considerate of other people because not everyone wants to be involved in your masturbation practice. Well, this was a work problem at my last <laughs> job. You had a masturbator? <laughs> I don't know if they were masturbating, but they did have a lot of BBW uh, magazines in the BBW. Uh uh big and beautiful women. Okay. Is that a porn or is it just... It's uh, it's a specific kind of um, genre of porn. Okay. So there's some amazing BBW actresses and in porn, but they the, the particular person in question would have these BBW magazines in the... The, the public bathroom? The, the public male bathroom. Male, male bathroom. It was not a gender... Oh. Um, uh, not gender non-conforming bathroom. <laughs> it was yeah. This it was, was a male a, bathroom, and so it was gendered. He would. It was a gendered bathroom, and he would be in the bathroom for probably about an hour every day. What? And so it created this whole. Well, that's so they had cool to take out the BBW magazines from the bathroom because he was in there so long, and everyone was like, "What is he doing?" So. I didn't have that problem, but everyone complained about it. So I was, I just was like, "Hey, yo, yeah. maybe you should wait till you get home to." to do that because people need the bathroom. There's only one and you're in, in there with your BBW magazine until, you know, yeah, I would, after I would lunch. Say as long as the masturbation practices are courteous of other humans, um, not having to walk in on you, not having to maybe touch some substances that came out of you, um, not <laughs> having to wait for a long time for to use the bathroom, things like that. Um, and then there's the legalities of it. Like we can't just masturbate on the street. In fact, like I I remember I was 12 years old. I think walking down the street and there was someone driving down the street, wanking themselves, looking at me, a little 12 year old girl, yeah, uh, wanking themselves. And that is actually illegal. And um, that in its is is a me too issue. People like that is not. When consensual. I was in Spain, there were because um, I lived in Sevilla, Spain for six months, their public masturbation, there was some guy on a bus literally with a newspaper up and I look finally and he was masturbating the whole time staring at m- my group of friends and I while we we're on the bus to and like that's, wherever. That's probably a form of exhibitionism. People who are right. getting off to your reaction as they're like, oh, and then th- when you make the eyes and you do the, oh my God. And then right. that, that was And I was like, 19 and I was like, oh my God. That's probably right when they come. Totally. Like, yeah. Very like, oh. 
<laughs> and so, but I, I mean, I, in that, but that's not consensual. Like they, no. The, and, and so, and then it happened again in Spain too. That some guy just was walking behind us and all of a sudden just ran up, dropped his pants and just started like wanking. And I was like, whoa, bro. I feel like the best thing to do in it would just be look at them and look away. Like yeah. as if nothing ever Nowadays happened. I would do that. But back then I was I like, be capable. I, I ran, know. I ran away. Yeah, I'd be like, give me away from It was a penis. dark street <laughs> at like three in the morning. I was like, that's not cool. Yeah. So, so, so for this human, um, I think what we're saying is as long as it's um, not uh, harming other people and I'm not, I'm not talking about physical harm, but it's not getting in the way of other people's stuff. And um, consensual. Just consensual. remember if, if someone's not Everything consenting, has to be consensual. right. Yeah. To, to your masturbation schedule on some level, then maybe keep it at home. Then maybe wait until you get somewhere more prep. Maybe do it in your car when you are done with work, but like turn on a video sure or whatever, get a hot octopus. Use that. By. <laughs> 12 year old. Well, yeah, get tinted windows. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I also would ask too, um, you know, why is it that you're masturbating at work? Like, why aren't you masturbating before work and after work? What What is driving you to need to do it That's at work? That's a good point. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not going to shame your reason, but I, I think that it's worthy of asking yourself of why you need to do this in the middle of the day. Um, if it's something that you feel like you have to do there at work. Um, is there something, something about the bathroom at? that turns you on? Is it maybe that like you need the midday stress reliever? I don't know, but hmm. really, really check it out because we can relieve stress in other ways. It doesn't have to be <laughs> from jacking off at work. <laughs> Someone just walked in and they smiled at us. <laughs> they were like, I like your topic. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so um, thank you for writing yeah. the question, but I hopefully you got some perspective, at least how we feel. So A-OK as long as it's consensual situation and you're not spending an hour and when you're not people have to actually use the yeah, loo and it's not and you're coming from a place to need because of of needing right that's the whole thing when people feel like they have sex addictions it's like it's getting in the way of other things right. they can't operate throughout the day without this thing happening whatever a couple times a day and if that's where you're coming from then it might be something to look at and consider hi my name's april and i'm addicted to my magic wand the nemesis <laughs> <laughs> my nemesis not the nemesis all right, All right. So um, we're going into. Do we have anything else we need to share before we do this awesome podcast with Ashley Manta? Um, I don't think so. I think that was great. Remember, write us your sex questions if you have questions we or just questions. Love them. We yeah. love them. We love answering them. And we love them. you, Ashley Manta. Everyone, she's awesome. You're really going to enjoy this. She's a sex educator. She is a sex coach. She's actually running a special right now for her sex coaching. So if you listen at the end, she has an offer for ten percent off of her coaching practices. And she identifies as canosexual, which is kind of badass. And she pioneered that term meaning she's tying together uh, cannabis use and sexuality as a means towards enhancing her sexuality she's also an extremely empowered person she has just a lot of gifts to offer informationally speaking and also in the realms of bettering yourself as a sexual being yeah. and i think that um i don't know you could Benefit from listening to this podcast, but also from contacting her and maybe getting her services. Yep. And there's also a piece on STIs too. So STIs, STDs. So um, specifically talking about herpes. And so we talk about all the fun, sexy stuff, and then we go into that. But I think it's really uh, useful information. For and people. if you are scoffing right now at the word herpes or herpes. you're feeling weird, maybe it's time to listen to that and, and shed some light on where that fear comes from. Because... Um, it's a thing that a lot of people in this world are living with. So go look at the statistics. It's more than not. More yeah, than, it's yeah. one one in three, perhaps even one in two. And includes cold sores too. Yeah. So just think about that. Um, um, so right. thank you for listening. And here we go, Ashley Manta. Manta. 
All right, everyone. So welcome Ashley Manta to our show. It's Manta, not Manta. Manta, not Manta. 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 Hi, Ashley. Hello. I'm so happy to be chatting with both of you. Yay, we're super happy to have you here too. We love Ashley. We've known Ashley for a number of years. Yes, I think, how long? Like six or seven years, right, Ashley? I believe. It seems like that long, but I actually only moved to California in 2013. So it's been like four years, I think, since my first and me where I met both of you. It's like we're old But it does seem like so much longer. You're a mover and a shaker though, so that's probably why we... (laughs) And Ashley's done some awesome, given us like from Hot Octopus, wonderful feedback. She's um, an awesome section educator but we'll give you an intro but she's tested uh, like the queen bee she tested for us like you're pretty uh, a pretty expert oriented person in the industry so thank you for that thank you very much for the opportunity i love trying out the amazing new toys that hot octopus comes out with they're so fantastic and high quality well we'll keep them coming so i'm going to give you all just a little um little intro on ashley so ashley manta is a sought after authority on mindfully combining sex and cannabis as part of her cannasexual brand as a professional sex educator, writer, coach, and facilitator, Ashley helps people navigate these topics to make sure that they are interacting, loving, and feeling their best in and out of the bedroom. Check out her most recent endeavor, episode number three on Slut Ever of Viceland TV, and learn more at ashleymanta.com. Woo! Welcome, Ashley. Welcome. Thank you so much. So, canisexual, tell us. <laughs> tell us what's this, what this is all about. Absolutely. Canisexual is a word that I created a few years ago, and it refers to anyone who mindfully and deliberately combines sex and cannabis to deepen intimacy and enhance pleasure, whether solo or partnered. And then I trademarked it. Smart. That's a smart move. Cause, and now with California and the cannabis laws and recreation, that's like a whole new Pandora's box for you to kind of pursue. And canisexual is a, an awesome name to go about with it. Thank you. Thank you. Some people have been taking it on as like a sexual orientation, which was not my intention, but like, I'm fine with it if that's how you want to identify. Yeah, I, I kind of saw. Yeah, I saw that. But what if people, some people identify as sapiosexual, right? Like they're attracted to um, intelligence. That's so like, I'm attracted oh. to people who are intelligent. So I always think of when I see canisexual, I'm like, oh, it's just like another people. I, I assume people would identify with it just along, along with you. So you, you're a pioneer in that. Um, so, okay, obviously, I'm assuming this came from your love of um, your sex educator, but also your love of cannabis. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey on, along the way to become like, so canisexual? Absolutely. I was actually very anti-cannabis for most of my life. I didn't use it for the first time uh, on purpose until I was 23 and in grad school studying philosophy, of course. And um, I had a lot of judgment about cannabis and the people who used it and and like what that meant about you as a person. And because I was a child of dare culture, like I, I drank the Kool-Aid and, and I thought that the cannabis was a gateway drug and, and everyone who used it was, you know, just a lazy stoner. And I was really uh, happy to be proven so wrong when I started meeting people with PhDs and who owned companies and who were very, very successful in their lives and careers who used cannabis um, really intentionally to take care of their bodies. And I was like, Ooh, there's, there's something to this. And, and more personally, I'm a sexual assault survivor. That's how I got started as a sex educator. I started doing sexual violence prevention about 10 years ago. I was a rape crisis counselor and a victim advocate, and I worked at Planned Parenthood. And so I worked with survivors of trauma. I studied a lot about trauma and then I got really burned out 
like you do. And I moved to California and I experienced medical cannabis for the first time. And I found that it actually really helped me manage my PTSD symptoms and my physical symptoms of trauma, which was pain for pain with penetration. And the first time I used a cannabis product that took away that pain and I had penetrative sex without pain for the first time in over a decade, I was like, holy fuck, nobody's talking about this and we really need to be talking about this. So would you, would you use like with the cansexual brand, you use like lubricants as well as, uh, like, is it THC lubricant? And can you tell us more about, um, some of the items that are part of your brand, the cansexual brand? So I don't make any of my own products currently, uh, that will be changing soon, but right now it's really been about trying other people's products that are on the market and noticing how they impact my body and arousal and uh, sexual interest and uh, responsiveness and all of those kinds of things. And so it really any way that you can consume cannabis can be used for sexual purposes, depending on the things that you're choosing. So it could be an infused massage oil for like sexy massage time with your partner. It could be a topical that you spray onto your genitals. It could be smoking or vaping or using concentrates or tinctures, which uh, is a liquid that goes under your tongue. And so there's, and then even edibles, although edibles are really for advanced users. Um, I've seen so many newbies use edibles and try to use them just generally, but especially for sex and having it go really poorly because people overdose themselves a lot. Um, and I don't mean overdoses like the way that you would with opiates, but like overdoses in more than they sh need to be dosing for their body's tolerance. And everyone's heard the story of someone who ate an edible and then ate more and then was on the ground for like many it, hours. It goes into your body with how your how you metabolize it, right? So it, sometimes people keep eating it because they don't think they're going to get stoned. And then they're like, oh, no, I'm crawling on the floor, calling 911, hoping that uh, this will go away, right? That's the story. I've exactly. Heard. People's um, People can take up to two hours to have effects from edibles. And at, usually after 45 minutes to an hour, people get impatient and they're like, oh, well, I don't feel anything. Maybe I should take more. And around the two hour mark, the first one starts kicking in and they realize their mistake. And then at the like three hour mark, they're regretting all of their life choices. Yeah. Yeah. That's happened to me before. Um, do you know the difference real quick? I know Amy has a question, but I was just wondering because living in California, I'm surrounded by CBD and then THC and then all these different kind of um, branches of available cannabis edibles and products. And is there a one over the other that you recommend or any kind of cannabis products good to use to enhance your sexual experience? I'm just curious about that. I want to get on it. That's such a great question. A lot of people will ask me like, what are the best products for sex or what are the best strains for sex? And the answer is it really depends on a couple of factors. One is what kind of sex do you want to be having? How do you want to feel? Like, what are you going for? Like, what is the cannabis supposed to be doing for you? Because different strains, different products do different things. You know, some are more up, some are more sedate, some are more relaxing, some are more energetic. Like, it varies. I call Indica Indica Couch, right? Because you're like, a lot like of people do. <laughs> <laughs> And it also varies from person to person. So what works really well for me and my body and the context that I'm using it in might not work for you at all. And so I try to raise people's awareness around like the things that go into cannabis that cause the various effects. So um, the cannabis plant 
grows out of the ground and in it um, are these things called cannabinoids. They are the the chemical compounds that make up the plant. And they interact with our body's endocannabinoid system because we actually have a system in our body that works with cannabinoids and causes specific effects. So THC is the most commonly known cannabinoid. Um, and that's the one that causes the head high and, and feeling euphoric and giggly and, and causing appetite and all of those lovely things. And in high doses, uh, THC has something called, it's called a biphasic effect, which means it has opposite effects at high and low doses. So at low doses, it's, it's euphoric, it's playful, it's giggly. It's like watch great movies and eat yummy food. At high doses or a dose that is too high for some person, anxiety, paranoia, um, rapid heart rate, like all sorts of things, sweating, things that you don't want to be experiencing can happen. And so it's really important for folks to like start with small amounts of THC and then gradually build based on what they need. And also to keep in mind that there are ways to consume cannabis that don't get you high. Uh, CBD is another cannabinoid that does not cause a head high. It just relaxes the body and, in fact, actually counteracts the, the psychoactive effects of THC. So if you're too high, if you've consumed an edible and you're like, oh, my God, what have I done with my life? If you take a lot of CBD, it will help bring you down. Um, and so back, com coming back to what you were saying about the trauma that you had in the, the PTSD, um, was mm -hmm. it was it uh, what what were you taking that was working with that? Can you explain more about how the cannabis was working with that for you? Sure. So, um, back in 2015, I named my rapist on the internet, uh, more specifically on my blog. And I was pretty far along in my healing journey at that point. I'd, I'd had a lot of therapy and, and done a lot of work on, you know, to heal and, and to integrate that experience that I had. And this brought everything back. It, it came flooding back all my PTSD symptoms. My panic attacks came back full force, um, I couldn't sleep. I felt really out of my body and I had no interest in sex and cannabis helped with this intense anxiety that I was feeling. I would take uh, high CBD strains or strains that were going to be sleepier or heavier to help me get out of like panic mode and into just normal. Like they wouldn't even make me sleepy. They would just make me feel normal. And I was having pain with penetration. So I found this amazing topical that you actually apply to your vulva and it's THC oil and coconut oil. And it actually helps decrease pain with penetration and increase pleasurable sensations, which was exactly what I needed to help my body understand that like it was okay to feel pleasure again and it was safe and that, you know, I wasn't in danger. Um, and, uh, and so that, so that's just, that was just a topical one. And then is there, um, what, how else, I guess with the, with other cannabis products, how else have they, uh, worked well with your sexuality? Like what, what are some other, I guess, what other, other, um, pros to using cannabis in regards to sexuality? There are really so many, it, it all depends on kind of what you're going for. So, I always like to kind of set an intention for my dates, for my my sexual experiences. Like, what do I want to experience? What do I want to co-create with my partner? And cannabis helps me sort of set the stage for that. So if I want something that's more slow and sensual, that's going to increase tactile sensations and really help me like be present in the moment and get out of my head, 
for me, I might choose something uh, that has more linalool in it, which is relaxing. Uh, that's a terpene. That's it's also in lavender. It's what la- makes lavender smell like it does. And um, so I'll find a strain or find a a vape pen that has you know a high percentage of that, a medium percentage of THC. Like I would say, twelve to fifteen percent THC in a given strainer product is plenty for sexy fun times. And like that just kind of helps me get into that headspace. If I want something that's more focused and energetic and and um, playful, I might uh, pick something like my friend Michael uh, Katz has a company called Evokes and they have a vape pen uh, that's called Engage and it's a sativa blend and they also blend it with essential oils like cinnamon, uh, cypress, peppermint and lime to like give you that boost of, of peppy, uh, energetic alertness. And that's really great for like playful, dirty talk, role play. Like that's really worked well for me in those scenarios. Is that available nationwide? It is not. So most strains and products are going to be state specific because you can't ship across state lines because of the federal laws. Right, right, right. Okay. So most of the items that you mentioned are probably like Colorado, Massachusetts, California, the, 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 where the, where weed is legal. All of the items that I mentioned are only available in California. Got it. Okay. Got it. Sucks to live in the Midwest. Sorry, people. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Yeah. Okay. There's so some I, DIY stuff that you can do. Oh, yeah. Go get creative on your own. Right. Um, so, okay. I'd like to share. I have a question for you. Um, some, some, see what your perspective is. So, sure. I've, ha- I don't smoke a lot of cannabis. I did when I was younger. I smoked a lot when I was like, you know, age 15 until I was 21. And I thought I had like a mental addiction and needed it to sleep and all that jazz. And then I figured out that it was just my brain. Um, but that's a side note. So I have though in my twenties and early thirties, I have had a couple of sexual experiences where I did smoke some cannabis and had some amazing orgasms, amazing orgasms where it was like those ones where I don't know if it's like one long five minute one, or if it's, multiples and you know many many different ones in five minutes and and um i've also had some really great experiences with oral sex of someone going down on me which isn't usually my preferred method of um of a pleasure to have an orgasm i love it more as like a preparatory thing and had Mm -hmm. some good orgasms through that and so what's your theory on why is this happening to me? And like, I mean, it's, <laughs> why? Is, what's, and my my theory was that it, it for me it felt like I had a single pointed focus on the sensations. I was so focused on it, like, and when I've smoke cannabis, I get kind of hyper focused on one thing, and I, that's why I can get paranoid and get stuck on it. I guess. But um, what do you think is happening there? That is such a great experience to have had, and I'm so happy that you had it. And it tracks with a lot of things that we've I've heard from people over the years. Um, the one caveat I will say before I get into all of this that I probably should have said at the beginning is that we don't have hard science to back this up, right? Like we don't have studies for the most part. We have some sort of tangential studies, but we don't have a whole lot of, of scientifically backed data currently. Um, so a lot of the things that we are are surmising, um, and hypothesizing are just those they're theories. They're based on anecdotes and, and experiences that we have in the cannabis space and that we hear from, from folks that try it as well. Um, but my theory is that cannabis helps you turn off the things that take you away from enjoying sex. So things that hold people back are like being stuck in their head, being worried about their body. Am I pretty enough? Am I fit enough? Am I, 
attractive enough in whatever way that feels true for you. Is my partner enjoying themselves? Are they, um, are they having a good time? Am I having a good time? Am I going to orgasm? What if I don't orgasm? Like all of those thoughts that swirl around in your head when you're having sex, it helps to quiet those thoughts down and really help you just be present in your body and enjoy what's happening. And so I think that's one of the the big things that cannabis brings to the table is, is it helps people remove the, the blocks that are getting in the way. And for some people it's pain, like maybe they have chronic pain and that's really distracting from being able to enjoy pleasure. So it can help with pain and it can also help with enhancing those pleasurable sensations. And so I found that like my body is super orgasmic when I'm using cannabis. Um, and so I would caution that that's not a guarantee. That's not the case for all people. And certainly orgasm doesn't need to be the goal of, of sexy fun times. You know, it's a perk, but the idea, you know, really is just pleasure, whatever that looks like for the person. But I experience more pleasure and I find it easier to orgasm when I'm using cannabis. And I think it's because it helps you be in the moment and in your body. So the topical treatments we've talked about, because I'm only privy to the smoking and then becoming horny scenario. That's what's happened to me. I've never (laughs) used a topical lube or um, spray or anything. Are those vulva only, like exclusive to vulva usage, or can they be used on penises? Or um, And the difference between, like, I'm just wondering, is it like it just makes you more sensitive or um, kind of... I guess helps with pain if you have trauma, but I was just kind of wondering um, about details of those. Uh, sure. So you could use it on a penis. Um, it's, it's not going to like shrivel up and fall off if you apply to it, <laughs> apply it to the penis there or anything like that. Damn it. Oh no. Um, but it's not going to absorb as effectively. And I, you know, the penis owners that I've played with that I've used oil on have said like, I mean, it's great. Like it, it feels fine. It doesn't take anything away by any means, but I don't notice a huge difference is, has been the general consensus among penis owners I've spoken to. Whereas people with vulvas are like, Oh my God. Um, so my, my hypothesis is that that is because the vulva has exposed mucosa, which means it's much easier for the oil to absorb into the pussy and the nerves Rather than the penis, um, since in this country, most penises are circumcised, they don't have the exposed mucosa. And so it's a little bit harder to get in. It's it's like um, putting a topical on your shoulder, you know, it's just not going to, it, it'll still work, like it'll absorb, but it doesn't do the same thing as it seems to do on the vulva. And it, on the vulva, it kind of just increases sensitivity and kind of draws blood flow or what is it? What does it do? It does actually. THC is a vasodilator. Um, so people are like, what the fuck is a vasodilator? (laughs) Um, Viagra is a vasodilator. So if you think about the fact that Viagra dilates blood vessels and capillaries and allows more blood flow to go to the genitals for penises, this is doing that locally for the vulva. It's, it's expanding the capillaries. It's bringing more blood flow, which means more oxygen, which means more sensitivity. It's increasing lubrication. It increases pleasurable sensations because when there's more blood flow, you know, your nerves are firing really fast and like, you're very aware of what's happening. And, and I've found myself to be more acutely aware of what's happening. Like I can feel when my partner moves their finger a half an inch inside of me. And I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. I like that spot better. Like, it's like, I can 
3D map my genitals when I have cannabis in my system. Um, and then it also decreases discomfort and painful sensations. So um, it helps relax the muscles and, and allow them to experience more pleasure. Cool. I want to try some of this. I want more cannabis in my life. <laughs> I need some cannabis. I highly recommend. You gave me cannabis lube once. And since I wasn't an avid and I'm and I'm totally going to be transparent, Ashley, I was so thankful, but I was paranoid to use it. I was like scared to use it because I didn't smoke um, at the time. And now I'm much more comfortable. And I thought I was going to get super high. So I was like, here, take this. And I gave it to someone who actually gave me really positive feedback about it. And I was like, oh, I have to report that to Ashley. So a couple years later, I'm reporting it to you. Amazing. <laughs> so I'm so that. glad that it worked for them. It did. And now I do want to try it. I'm much, I'm much more, um, I don't know, I, I'm much more accepting of cannabis products now. And I don't know if I, I ever reached a point where, um, I had like bad sensations from it. And then I just was at a different point in my life now where um, I can smoke and I kind of realize the strains. I have that app on my phone that tells you what kind of, um, depending on what strain it is and what level of THC it is. And also if it's how much percentage is um, sativa versus indica. And that's why I, I know I need to smoke mostly sativa. So I'm like all like, wee, because I like uppers. <laughs> So that makes that, that, that app is super helpful, but you feel like a weed snob when you're out on the town and I'm like, Oh, what kind of weed is that? And they're like, Oh, it's a, I don't know. OG Kush diesel. I don't know what I'm talking about, but you know, I'm like, Oh, and I look it up on my, my app and usually, um, I, I'll pass if it's, if it's Indica. So, um, with the lubes, is it the same? Like it tells you what strain it is and, and like how, what percentage of what is, is inside of the mixture. So, Typically, when you extract the cannabinoids from the actual plant, you lose a lot of what would give it specific um, properties like uplifting versus sleepy. Because um, the whole sativa indica hybrid thing is, has become sort of a misnomer over time. Like people assume that sativa always means uplifting and indica always means in the couch. And, and what we're actually finding is that because almost everything is a hybrid these days, that can be inaccurate. And oh. someone might find something that's listed as a sativa that's actually really quite sleepy. And they could have something that's listed as an indica that's actually really like buzzy and awake. And so we're finding that like looking at the actual breakdown of like CBD, THC, CBN, CBG, like all the different cannabinoids and then the terpenes that are also in the flower, um, linalool, limonene, pinene, uh, beta caryophylline, like, and I know I'm just like throwing words at you guys. Like, like what the fuck are you talking about? ABCD, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, the way that those two, uh, cannabinoids and terpenes interact with each other tends to be actually what really predicts the effects. And when you do the extraction process, unless you add the strain specific terpenes in, again, post post extraction, um, you end up really losing the like one way or the other, the like speedy uppity sensation versus like the relaxed sleepy sensation. Um, so for topicals, it, it becomes less relevant. Um, I'm, I'll be interested to see in the future if we can find a way to keep it more strain specific and, and if that actually makes a difference. But for right now, it really seems like that only, applies with, um, flower, you know, the actual bud and like vape pens and things like that, that have had the terpenes either preserved or added back in post extraction. 
Okay. They, that's good information. I'm a science nerd, so I love this kind of information. Yay! What's like? What's your go-to favorite strand? Like your everyday, like, yo, this is what I smoke. What What do you like? <laughs> well, for my like days that I need to be productive, I really like Durban Poison. Ooh, Durban Poison. It's good for focus and energy. It's, um, you know, not to make it sound like a pharmaceutical, but it's sort of like Adderall. Um, it really, really helps me concentrate. <laughs> Um, but that's just me. And like for you and, and for my friend, Andrew, um, Muir from top shelf bud tending who lives in Denver, Colorado, he's like the cannabinoid and terpene expert. He's taught me everything I know. Durban poison gives him the worst panic attacks. Mm. And so it, this is why I'm like, this is what works for me. But like, please, please, for the love of God, like try a small amount of something before you like go whole hog. And then you're like, Oh God, this doesn't work at all the way I thought it was going to work or the way it worked for Ashley. Also, you have to consider the age of your cannabis because Mm. over time, um, THC turns into CBN, uh, which is a very sleepy psychoactive compound. So basically over time, even the most buzzy, focused, uplifting strain will get sleepy mm-hmm. if it's not smoked in a certain amount of time because um, THC becomes CBN. After so, after a certain, and each after, strain is probably has a different expiration date. Um, I mean, typically it's, it depends on how it's stored. If it's stored in light versus dark, airtight mm-hmm. container versus not. Um, but generally you have, you know, I would say three to six months. Once you get close to a year mark, like you're really, it's, it's going to have a lot of more CBN in it. And CBD, they've been using it a lot for, for folks with cancer. I mean, there's so many, yeah, pain. I think my, my friend gives it to her dog for anxiety. Yeah. So good for that, for pets. Yeah. Um, really great. And what they found actually is that CBD works really well in conjunction with THC. Like you could have a high CBD that's like 18 to one CBD to THC. So there's still a little bit of THC. Um, and that actually helps to unlock the endocannabinoid system and the CB1 and CB2 receptors, which are the things in our bodies that can figure out how to process the cannabinoids. And um, they're finding it to be much more effective when those things are used together. They call it the entourage effect. Awesome. And so I don't want to give away your episode of Iceland, but on this, the Slut Ever episode three that you recorded, this was about sex and cannabis? Can you it was. Sure. I really, really enjoyed chatting with the host, Carly uh, Ciertino. She writes for Vogue and she's a really, really lovely human. We had a great chat and she was asking mostly about weed lube, uh, which the, the term itself is sort of a misnomer um, because you don't use it the way that you would like liquid. It It's not meant just to make you wet. It's meant to like marinate for like 25 minutes. Oh. And so part of the episode was explaining like, this isn't just, you know, something you use for hand jobs or like right before you're about to have penetration. Like this is something you actually apply in advance and let it do its thing. And we talked about like the ways in which it helps with pleasure and increasing sensation. And and her concern was that she gets really paranoid when she smokes cannabis. And I was like, well, if you're worried about psychoactive effects, like using a topical is a great option because it doesn't get you high. That is a good point. Yeah. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> I want to switch gears for a minute. Unless, oh, I want to do one. I just, I just want to take a moment to do a little shout out here because now that it's legal and anyone can go into the clubs as long or the dispensaries in the club as long as long as they have um, an ID. But we have a local one here that our friends own, so we're gonna give a little shout out to Kind Peoples here in Santa Cruz. Um, so if yeah. anyone's in Santa Cruz, go check out Kind Peoples. And I don't know if you have anyone that you want to give a little shout out to because you're in San Diego, right? I am in San Diego. Um, so let's see who's local. I really love MedMen. Um, they're like the Apple store of, Ooh. of dispensaries awesome. and they're in LA and Orange County. Uh, and then down in San Diego, there's a lovely dispensary called Mankind Cooperative. Um, and the person who, one of the co-owners is, was the first person of color in San Diego County to get a cannabis license. Awesome. So Woo. we're all about supporting POCs because cannabis really is a social justice issue. Um, you know, people of color are disproportionately, disproportionately targeted by law enforcement, um, go to jail for cannabis related offenses. And so, yeah, it's really important to me as a white person to be like, let's talk about this because like cannabis is great and sex and cannabis is wonderful. And, we still have to like fight the fight with our legislators and local municipalities. And like the reason I voted for prop 64, which was the recreational cannabis law in California is because it retroactively undoes all of the cannabis offenses that would now not be illegal in 2018. Mm. So people are getting out of jail. Yeah. All the people that got put in jail for having a bag of weed on them that especially people of color who like, should not be the focus, of course. That just, yeah, that's that's a really really important topic. To, so I'm glad that that is actually happening. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being an advocate. Okay, so now April wants to switch switch it up a little bit and talk because you're a really strong advocate for um, for sexual health and you're a sex educator and you talk very openly about S- STDs and STIs. Um, so we would definitely, I mean, we, for some, we've talked a little bit about it on our show, but, um, because we're shameless sex, I think it is an important topic. So do you want to ask her some questions? I just, first of all, thank you, Ashley, for, I know on social media, you've been really, um, just upfront and shame free about living, um, openly with an STD and kind of, um, I think that you do a lot of education and I just want if you can, you to share maybe an empowerment piece for those folks because there's so many people living with STDs in the world and some people even are carriers and don't know they have them if they don't get tested regularly. But is there any kind of empowerment piece you'd like to share with our listeners um, all over? Hell yes. So in 2009, I was diagnosed with genital herpes, HSV2. And so I'm coming up on my 10-year herpes anniversary. (laughs) Woo! Um, and when I was diagnosed, I was devastated because I believed what I had been told my whole life, which was that herpes is gross and disgusting. And if you have it, no one will ever want to have sex with you. And you basically become a sexual pariah. And, uh, it turns out that is bullshit. There is so much societal shame and stigma about having an STI and they are super common, especially herpes. And, I have found herpes to actually be a really useful litmus test for prospective partners because (laughs) if you have someone sitting in front of you who teaches people how to experience pleasure for a living and you don't want to have sex with me because I have herpes, like I feel real sorry for (laughs) you. Yeah. Like way to let that get in the way of having a really incredible experience. And if that's, you know, the kind of person that they are, that they really have a lot of fear and judgment about STIs and bodies, like 
it's not something I want to be voting anyway. Yeah, and of course, like everyone gets to make their own choices about themselves. But I think when it comes down to people who um, aren't fully educated on it, right? So in terms of the transmission, and or they're not asking questions like, well, um, you know, it's such like how in touch are you with your STI experience? You know, what are you what are you doing when when you actually get an STI or what are this? You know, all that stuff like the conversations that come, but the people that shut that down and just instantly say, oh, you have this? No, it's done. As opposed to like, well, let's talk about this, and you know, and then they can decide. You know, because it's an absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of important dialogue that can be shared there. For sure. People get to decide what to do with their bodies and the risks that they are choosing to take whenever they're with a partner. And I fully respect that. Like, as long as you're not a jerk about it, I don't care if you say no, that you don't want to have sex with me because I have herpes. Like, that's fine. I'll find someone who wants to. There's plenty of takers. Easily. <laughs> I'm, I'm not worried about it. But what I want those folks to understand and what I hope to, you know, educate them on when I'm having that conversation with them. Cause I disclose on the first date, like I don't fuck around. I don't wait. I'm like, Hey, listen, and usually before the first date, cause of the advent of internet dating, I'm like, Hey, if this is a thing, if it's going to be a problem for you, like tell me now and I won't waste my gas going to meet you for coffee. Um, but my hope is that they'll ask me questions and then I'll be able to give them some information and knowledge because they are way less likely to get herpes from me than they are from someone who doesn't know that they have it, which is most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80, 80% of people who have herpes don't know that they have herpes because it's not tested for in the common panel. Like people will be like, oh, I went to the doctor and I got a full panel of STI tests. And I'm like, okay, do you know what that actually comprises? Because I do. I used to work at Planned Parenthood. Uh, It comprises HIV, syphilis, chlamydia, and gonorrhea, sometimes hepatitis C and sometimes trichomonas, but that's more rare. Um, And hepatitis C, usually there are a couple of qualifiers for them to, to run that particular test, but you will never get tested for herpes. I don't want to say never. You will very rarely find a doctor who will test you for herpes unless you ask for it specifically. And even if you ask for it specifically, like people would come into Planned Parenthood with no symptoms and want to get tested for herpes. And we'd be like, sorry, we can't like we don't do that test here because it's not a very reliable test. Um, the most reliable test for herpes is when you're actually having an outbreak. And a lot of people who have herpes will never have an outbreak. They'll just be a carrier. Right. Well, plus herpes is transmitted. And tell me if I'm wrong from skin to skin contact. So even if you're having sex with somebody, um, they, like the the odds are, even if it's just if it's penetrative sex versus if you're just having like skin to skin contact with someone or just touching them, you could still contract herpes. I mean, literally, you could get it from. I, I, am I wrong? Is this right? You could get it. Just oh yeah, skin to skin contact. contact and oral herpes can be spread genitally, and genital herpes can be spread orally, which is a thing that people don't realize. Like, let's say their grandmother has a cold sore and they kiss them on the mouth when they're you know yeah. seven years old. Now you've got cold sores and you think of them your whole life as cold sores or fever blisters and not as what they are, which is herpes. And then you've got a cold sore and you go down on your partner. They now could have genital herpes, but it's only a problem if it's genital, even if it like came from the same, you know, virus, which is, I, I read this study, um, Anthony Kiedis talks about it in his book, um, his, uh, his, bio, his memoir, his, yeah, it's uh, pretty awesome. Cause he's been living with, I do. And he has hepatitis C, but he's been using ozone and hmm. literally ozone is injected. It's not really known in the USA, but it's injected and it has 
basically cured him of hepatitis C. So I started researching ozone because um, a a friend's father was diagnosed with cancer and I was trying to... figure out if ozone could be used to treat cancer. It very much is in most other countries, especially socialist Mm. countries like Cuba and India, where it's not for profit for health and ozone cures herpes. Literally you can go get ozone injected from your naturopath and it cures herpes 85% of the cases because it attacks the goods, the viral cells. People don't know that read it, Ashley, if you, if you have time, like look at some of the studies that have been done in Germany and stuff. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) I'm certainly curious to hear more. I always like get Question. a little nervous yeah. when people say cures herpes. Yes. Well, 85%. Um, so it's, it's, but like, I, I it's would certainly the- be really interested to, to read the studies and, and to learn more information for I sure. I mean, Anthony Kiedis swore about it. So that's where I came from. And he's, I, I love him. Well, you sure it's, is it cure or is it that it just uh, like uh, that it uh, makes it go so dormant that it doesn't come back? There's not enough research, but most people um, don't ever have an outbreak again and they can't um, actually draw blood and find the HSV one or two virus. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and like the uh, let's like commenting on like the, the dormant stuff. I mean, and this is, we're just talking about herpes here, too. But so I like what you're saying. It's not a death wish. Your life is not over. No, People still want to have sex means. with you. In <laughs> fact, it kind of it'll give you some life experience. Like, I'm sure to a certain degree, you probably wish you didn't have it. And to a certain degree, it probably made you a stronger, more badass woman. It definitely made me more of who I am and and it gave me a place to be able to speak to people and and to destigmatize something that like really affects a lot of people. I was just told of someone who was diagnosed with herpes a few years ago and like a year or two later actually committed suicide because oh, they Jesus. felt like no one would ever want to be with them. And like that broke my heart hearing that because I want to reach anyone who has those thoughts and be like, no, it, it doesn't have to be that way. And like that really starts with changing the way that we as a society talk about STIs. And like I get so angry watching late night television when late night hosts make herpes jokes like it's such lazy comedy yeah. and and it stigmatizes and it, it's shitty. It's punching down. And if we all like encourage each other to be a little bit kinder about STIs, which are such a normal part of being a sexually active human. Like you can do all of the things to try to prevent them. You can get tested regularly. You can, you can use condoms. You can communicate really clearly, which most people don't do already and still end up with an STI. And like, it doesn't mean anything about who you are as a person or your morality or, or your value as a human. Like, but somehow society has gotten to a place where they're like, if you have an STI, you should just walk into traffic. At least, you know, if you listen to the Twitter trolls, trolls. And like, <laughs> that's that doesn't work for me. Like, I want us all to be really like mindful of that and challenge when we hear people saying shitty things about people with STIs, because like that's how we start to make societal change. So when I was 18, everyone, I will tell the whole world this. Um, I did get genital herpes, but I made out with someone in when I lived in uh, Maui when I was 18. I moved there when I was 18. thought it was a great idea. Actually, it was a great idea, but I made out with someone who had a sun blister on their lip. And about three days later, I got really sick. My whole mouth got covered in white canker sores. Um, and I got big cold sore in the middle of my lip and, um, and then from there, that was when I was 18. So then, so for all my adult life, this has been something that I've been uh, learning how to deal with and navigate. And I can tell you that every single person I've ever, ever slept with or, um, or dated 
when I told them that I had this, they did not all of a sudden change their mind and wanting to be with me. Like guaranteed they were like, all right, that's cool. You know? And I know that that's oral, so it's a little different, but you know, like they were, they were totally fine with me putting my mouth in their cocktail. And from that too, I've learned a lot more about my health. I've actually researched health and there's so much that you can do to be in tune with this. So I'm not shaming and trying to pretend like it's not here. In fact, it gave me an opportunity to get better at talking about it. Like, like you're talking about Ashley and, um, I started doing research on on health and uh, there's certain like I can just alter my diet in a way that is more friendly with um, the cold sore virus or the herpes virus, I guess, um, meaning I would I now eat a much more high lysine diet and a lower arginine diet. So a high lysine diet would be more um, meat and dairy and um, you know avocados and apples and things like that and less on the nuts and seeds and grains. And I still eat those things. I'm not like not having those in my life, but I, they're not my main focus. And especially if I feel like I'm starting to get a cold sore, which now is pretty rare because, um, I've figured out how to work with it. Uh, I just eat a high lysine diet and that thing's like literally goes away in a matter of days. Like it's, it's so easy to manage. I'm so happy that you mentioned lysine and arginine. Um, those are facets that not enough people are aware of or talk about. Um, arginine is an amino acid that can actually increase viral load and replication, um, with the herpes virus and lysine actually helps keep it dormant. And so like you doing a high lysine diet is brilliant. I actually take a thousand milligrams of lysine as a dietary supplement every single day. Mm. And that helps, um, if I'm not actually getting the food that's high in lysine, it's really good to even just get it directly. Um, and I avoid things with arginine, like the plague, like the, uh, the liquid amino that's like the soy sauce replacement. It has arginine in it, and I didn't realize it because I didn't read the. The coconut one. No, not the coconut oh, one. It's like the. Rags. It's like a Rags. red and orange oh. label. Yeah. Oh, um, stay away from that shit. <laughs> yep, I put some on my my Chinese food one night, and the next morning I felt the prickles, and I was like, "What the fuck? You know, what, what did I miss?" Yeah. And and I read the uh, ingredients, and I was like, "Oh my god, arginine!" And a lot of um in the sex world a lot of those arousal creams put arginine in it because it increases blood flow, um, blood to, the, flow. Yeah, to the general. And it's yeah. like, shit. Yeah. Um, so I, I always tell companies who make products and like either put a warning on there that this can cause herpes outbreaks or like, don't put that shit in your products. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen those products too. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere near those. Yeah. And then, so, okay. So when you feel the prickles too, that's when you can start to alter your diet or there's also things like you can get prescriptions for Valtrex, which the, you know, the minute you start to feel something active sexually that time, if you feel it coming on. Yeah. There's, there's so many ways to work with it. I love, I love all of this. Like it's not a death wish. There's, there's holistic ways to deal with it. There's pharmaceutical ways to deal with it. And it's like, I mean, so many people have something. <laughs> exactly. And to circle it back to sex and cannabis, um, I actually have found that tea tree oil is really effective um, for when I have outbreaks to put it on the sores to help dry them out and help them heal faster. And there is a company that makes a THC and CBD infused coconut oil that has tea tree oil in it. Oh. And so I had a random outbreak like a year ago and I put this oil on it and my outbreak was over in like a day. It was so fast. It was so painless and it was just like done. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I've been reading and researching when I was single. Um, I was pretty 
you know, I was uh, adamant about using condoms on a regular, but knowing that herpes is transmitted from skin to skin contact, it wouldn't work. Um, I was reading a lot about herpes and it was basically like, if you've had sex after 1991, you either are a carrier or you have it. So I'm like, I'm probably just a carrier. Sure. So it's like for people out there that think, you know, if you, if you've had sex, um, ever pretty much after 1991, you, you have been exposed to herpes. It's, it's literally, you've been exposed. So the, the odds are very good that yeah, you have herpes the and the blood great. tests are not Accurate. fully reliable. Like right. they have false negatives all the time because over time your body develops antibodies right. um, and, and it goes really dormant and, and it's just, you know, the, the tests aren't as sensitive and so things get missed and people are like, look, I, I tested positive once, but I never tested positive again. I must be cured. And it's like, well, or maybe the tests just aren't super reliable. Well, I just really want to, again, show my gratitude to you for being so open and so approachable and so knowledgeable. And I think that it's um, it's inspiring. And I think that more folks should come forward and be as open about um, what's happening and with their partners and 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 share um I think that it's not like we're ever going to eradicate STDs, but it's okay to live with something. You're not, nothing is wrong with you at exactly. all. Exactly. Nothing is wrong with you. And I'm here to tell you, like, I am fat and I have herpes and I'm having the best sex of my life. What? So if yeah. I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> um, okay. Before we, okay. I have two things. One, can you just tell our listeners, we, cause we've said STDs and STIs. Can you tell them what the difference between um, the term terminology? Sure. Um, STD stands for sexually transmitted disease. STI stands for sexually transmitted infection. Uh, there's been a move in recent years to change the nomenclature slightly because disease carries a lot of negative stigma attached to it. Um, and a lot of times infections um, like chlamydia, gonorrhea, like they get cleared up if you just take a course of antibiotics. And so it, it's just a way to sort of destigmatize the language and reflect that like those are transitive states. Yeah. I like it, that. And BV is considered to be an STI, I believe, because I get BV on the regular it's nowadays. And I'm like, fence. Oh. like right. I've heard people call it an STI. I, I think they're calling it an STI mainly because like it's bacterial it's in your genitals, right. okay. like, but it's, it's a very BV is bacterial vaginosis for those who don't know. Um, it's, it's basically when your vaginal pH gets thrown off and it tends to lead to sort of a fishy smell. Um, and mine smells like grapefruit. Sure. It's like, so weird. It's just off. <laughs> yeah, totally. Way. And um it's it's incredibly common. Um uh, people people get it all the time chronically and um uh, it's interesting because the treatment for it requires you to abstain from alcohol. So I think a lot of people like don't even get it treated. They're like, I don't want to not drink for seven days. I've been using um apple cider vinegar. I've been trying to alkaline my body and my partner's body because mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. it's it's his particular sperm in my vagina that it doesn't like because this is the first time in my life I've had this chronic BV situation. And the alkaline so far has been effective. So I've been doing a shot of apple cider vinegar every morning and making him do it. He hates it. But I'm like, dude, this is what we got to do. And it's actually working. I don't know if it's I'm not going to say it's a cure. No, no, because I, I, I don't like the word cure either. But it's been helping. Awesome. I'll keep you posted. And actually. whatever works for you and your body, like I am a big fan. Right. Um, and I just also want to comment on that. Um, I had a friend actually, because we had talked about this before. And I had a friend say that you gave false information because you said that it was sexually uh, sexually transmitted or STI. Um, 
And yes. Oh. And um, so I, I guess what we're saying that is it is sexually transmitted, meaning there's a bacteria or something that's throwing the pH off that is getting introduced into the vagina that's throwing it off. So technically speaking, it is mostly happening from sex, but I think um, it can also happen from other things too. From It can totally other- happen from other things because yeah. I've had it during periods of abstinence yeah. and like... It, it just, it can happen sometimes. It's sometimes bacterial. it happens from having sex and that's what throws off the pH, but sometimes it just happens yeah. and that's okay too. Yeah. Yep. Completely normal, everyone. I hate the word yep. normal, but sometimes you got to rock the word normal. Uh, with sex, everything is normal as long as it's consensual. Yeah. The vagina is such a delicate ecosystem. It, it's it's it flora and fauna if they're out of balance slightly. You don't even really, and the older you get, I will say, it changes. And I'm 35 sure. and I'm like, wow, this is, I'm going through different um, ranges of experiences with my vagina. So yeah. So it's, it's sexually transmitted sometimes. And not right. sometimes. And not sometimes. <laughs> and not sometimes. All right, Ashley. So where, how can people work with you? Like what, what are your offerings? How can people work with you? Where do they find you? I'm a sex and relationship coach and I work with people on really finding real world solutions to the things that are holding them back from having empowered, pleasure filled sex, whether they're by themselves or with a partner. And I work with singles or couples. And if you visit my website uh, and you book a coaching package with me, I will give you 10% off if you use coupon code shameless sex. Yay. That's amazing. I love what you're doing, Ashley. You are a genius, beautiful, amazing human. Is the code, um, are we doing all caps? Are we doing lowercase? What are we doing? <laughs> all caps, one word. Okay. Got it. It is important information. All right. And your website is ashleymanta.com. Once again. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at Ashley Manta and on Instagram at Canasexual. Woo. Yay. Cool. Awesome. You're so amazing. This has been so, I learned so much and this has been so insightful. I did too. And Ashley, I really think that going forward, you would, it would be awesome if you came out with some Canasexual products, I would buy them. I will be going up to Sacramento this weekend to meet with a company who wants to do that. And I will need some uh, test subjects when, when that, we'll like, do some we're trades. in development. So <laughs> if you're willing, you know, I am totally, I, w- I would love to have the feedback, especially from folks who are very savvy about their bodies already. So I think the takeaway too is all to all of our listeners, even if you're into cannabis, you're not into cannabis. Um, you listen to this episode, you've heard all of Ashley's, amazing information, try some cannabis goods. If it's legal. I mean, if it's not, just go on the street, down the, down the street, talk to, talk to the dude that we looks... Didn't tell you to do we that. didn't tell you to do that. We cannot tell you to do anything illegal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, ch- check it out. Try some sex and cannabis together. Marry them together. So, Ashley, thank you for taking time out of your Friday. I hope you have a lovely weekend. Can't wait to see thank you again you. soon. And, um, yes, you are wonderful. And we love you. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast talking to both of you. You're fabulous. Oh, thanks, Ashley. So everybody, again, remember, review us on iTunes. Uh, Just take a minute. This is a passion project for Amy and I. So go ahead. Give us five stars. Just take one minute of your time. It's not possible. Um, Also, feel free to go to our website for more information on what we do. It's shamelesssex.com. Feel free to ask any questions. You can email us at shamelesssexpodcast at gmail.com. But we love you so much. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next Tuesday. Ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. 
And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.